Well, hello, listeners, wherever you may be listening from. It's me, Hillary, and you've reached the Fierce Female Finance Revolution podcast. Don't know how you found me, but however you found me, I am so happy that you're here. Today's episode is going to be dedicated to talking more about capitalized interest with regard to your student loan debt. Um, I want to share with all of you just what I learned from having numerous conversations with my student loan servicer, which started out as Sally Mae back 10 years ago when I graduated from UCLA. But also, uh, once Sally Mae was done originating public federal student loan debt. They switched to just being a private loan servicer. Um, They ended up spinning all of the public debt off into a company called Navient. And that was the servicer that I had dealt with throughout repaying all of my student loans. And now Navient no longer exists. Shocker right there, right everybody? Um, So Navient is no longer originating or servicing loans. So from what other people have been telling me and what I've been seeing online is that now there is a new company called Aid Vantage that is now servicing all of the federal student loan debt. Um, I can do a whole other episode about my thoughts, feelings, opinions about just the frustration as a borrower with all of these servicers changing hands, not wanting to do this anymore, probably you know, knowing that they're all going to default and go into bankruptcy because it's very hard for a lot of people to repay their student loans. Just with the principal alone, not even including the horrible thing that is called capitalized interest, um, I can only make it that, for me at least, my experience, the frustration with getting numerous different servicers is coupled with when my husband and I got um, our home out in the high desert. Uh, Within the first five months, we actually did have to pay about five different loan servicers. So our loan kept getting packaged and repackaged and repackaged again to where, you know, we were making new logins and new accounts seemingly every single or every other month and only to find out that, oh yeah, get a notice in the mail saying that, guess what, your loan's been sold and now you have to pay this entity. Um, We've now had the same mortgage servicer for about three and a half years, so knock on wood, that hopefully won't change for the foreseeable future. But I do understand the frustration um, and also I think just confusion around having to find out if you you know, haven't been logging in on a regular basis to find that your loans are no longer with that servicer that you thought they were with and that they're with someone else. So let's talk about capitalized interest. Real quick, since I always do this with every episode, uh, I'm going to let you know where I'm at and kind of the mood that I'm in. Uh, It is Friday, October 7th, 2022, uh, a little before noon, and I'm having my second coffee because why? Well, 
I love coffee. It is the one thing that brings me total utter joy. I don't know what it is. I think it has to do with where we get our beans. And that is from a local coffee company that is located near Sony Studios called the Conservatory for Coffee, Tea, and Cocoa. I'm plugging them. They're not paying me. I just love them that much. And they roast all their beans in-house. And it is just a real treat every single time I get to have coffee. And I am coming off of uh, a week of working nights on the newest season of ABC's The Bachelor. I was up in the mansion and doing group dates and doing all of the things and sometimes not going to bed until 3 or 5 a.m. in the morning because that was when I was getting off of work. So I'm all messed up. My circadian rhythm has been messed up. I've been trying to get back on to a normal schedule so that I can wake up early to go take a run because I'm wanting to run another full marathon in January and it just hasn't been happening. (laughs) So frustrating. Mm. So anyway, that's where I'm at right now with my mind, body, and soul. I'm also starting a new show that will be up in Camarillo and six day weeks for the next three weeks or so. And that is also going to be a special slice of you know where. But the summer has been painstakingly slow with regards to work. So, you know, when you're on, you're on, you've got to do it. And, um, you know, when there's times where work is a little thin, you enjoy those times and do what you can to keep yourself busy. And this is one way that I've been trying to keep myself busy. And so I hope that this has been helping you all, or even if you just like listening in on my um, ramblings, which I totally appreciate too. So let's get back to the task at hand, capitalized interest. So the capitalized interest is essentially interest on interest. And what was happening with my federal public student loan debt, what has been happening to everyone's federal public student loan debt, is if you go on these income-based repayment plans that they touted as the best thing since sliced bread, aka also a way for you to not default and mess up your credit, um, this is kind of if you were making really low wages, which I was at the time. I was essentially making 30K a year uh, trying to work freelance and sometimes even less than that. I was looking at my social security account uh, the other week and I literally made zero money from 08 to about 2014. So um, yes, my loans were essentially on an income-based repayment plan. And then also I just like couldn't actually do much work while I was going to school because the program was just so time consuming. So of course I also had to take out additional money to be able to live, which also, you know, you obviously pay the price. So capitalized interest accrues. For me, I had gone on an income-based repayment plan, IBR for short, and I will reference that from here on out as IBR. 
uh, June of 2012. That was when my grace period for my student loans had expired. Because I graduated in December of 11. And then you have six months to get your shit together before everything starts kicking in. So I had collected my tax returns and I filled out the paperwork that would allow me essentially to be put on IBR. And then my monthly payment was calculated that it would be no more than 10% of my adjusted gross income based off of my tax returns. Now, every income-based plan that the federal government has made is slightly different. Some cap it at 15%, some cap it at 10% of your adjusted gross income. And then the terms of the repayment plan is different. If you were to just go on a standard repayment plan, you would have 10 years to repay that loan. But my standard 10-year repayment plan was going to be $1,400 per month. And trust me, (laughs) if I really would have done the math and understood it and had someone at the financial aid office walk me through this, I actually probably would have not gone to UCLA. Because who can literally afford that? I mean, that's that was what... I had to pay, let's see here, my monthly rent at the time was $900 a month. Then all of my ancillary living costs, I probably, yeah, I needed to make at least $1,400 a month to even just live in Los Angeles. You know, like let alone coming up with another $1,400 a month to have that 10-year repayment plan. I mean, I I knew it wasn't going to happen. You know, we all have to be like realistic about you know, the fact that the freelance film industry is very fickle. And I was working non-union shows. And non-union, you know, back then, I was working for $100 a day flat. And we were doing like 18-hour days, 19-hour days. And then I would kind of step up and become a first camera assistant on some low-budget features. And I was getting paid $150 or 175 for 12 hours of a day not including my commute times to and from set. And sometimes we were going all the way out to Malibu to shoot Agora Hills. That's far from the west side from where from where I live. So anyway, I was lucky to be making, I think, like $600 a week after taxes. So 600 times four, well, that's about $2,400 a month. And that wasn't going to cut it because $1,400 and $1,400, well, that's... 2800 I would still have a $400 shortfall every month. So I basically did what I had to do, bit the bullet, went on this super predatory plan, and didn't read the fine print, didn't really understand. And I mean, let's take it a little bit back. The fine print is in your master promissory notes, which is the paperwork that you sign once you obtain these loans. And I was signing this master promissory notes all the way back in 2008 as a 23-year-old. I didn't understand any of that. I knew that credit card debt was bad, so I was never in massive amounts of credit card debt. That was the one thing that I learned from my mom and growing up was that she was left with 40 grand of credit card debt when my parents split up that she had to repay. And so 
I knew at least, okay, credit card debt is bad. Don't do that. And that's all I knew. So now fast forward, I'm signing my life away, not really understanding that based on my tax returns, the federal government said, oh yeah, great. You don't have to actually pay anything. Your monthly payment for the first year is $0. So what did I do? Well, I just basically didn't care for a full year. I didn't worry about it because I was thinking, okay, I'm making this this tiny amount of money. So I guess it means they're doing me a solid and you know, I don't have to pay them, which oh, I thought it was like so great, but mm. No. It's not great. It was not great. Things were not okay. And little did I know that every single year capitalized interest would be tacked onto the principal. So they didn't tell me that even though your payment is $0 a month, the interest on all 11 of your loans is still accruing. And every year that you then re-sign up for IBR, we're going to tack that accrued unpaid interest onto the principal of your loans. And then what you get to do, the second year that I went on IBR, I had a $120 per month payment. So I made slightly more money and uh, they said, okay, you can afford $120 a month. And I said, you know, you're right. I can probably afford $120 a month. I was still repaying my 12 grand from undergrad at about that. So I said, yeah, I can afford that. I can do $240 a month. Well, little did I know that over the course of that year, which was uh, 2013, I had more unpaid accrued interest tacked on to the overall balance of my loans. And it really wasn't until I was signing up for IBR again for the third year in 2014 that I actually saw it. I saw the balance of my loans overnight go up $15,000. And I didn't understand why. And I was freaking out. I literally was. You know, I was sitting down with my mom and my mom didn't even understand what was going on either. Because the way the website is set up, you know, they, they don't put this in plain English on their website. I think that now there is a tools bar, or there was on Navient's site, explaining what all this stuff was. But back then, no one explained it to you. Unless you were smart enough or understood it enough to ask, what the heck is going on with my loans? So I took it upon myself to really dig deep. And all I saw in the payment history, I essentially had to go to the payment history. And although my payment history was a very short history, it was only, you know, 12 monthly payments of $120 a month. I did see that there was a line item from that previous June of unpaid accrued interest tacked on to my balance. I missed it that previous year. I didn't see that happen. And then I saw another line item of that $15,000 added on. And I'm like, what the heck 
is going on. So I put two and two together and started really getting honest with myself about, okay, I need to figure this shit out or else this will eat me alive. And I'm telling you, it was really emotional having to come to terms with it. You know, it's like I have a graduate degree and yet I don't even understand what capitalized interest was. There was a lot of guilt and shame for me feeling less than because I didn't understand like the terms that I was signing. Um, And this is just essentially the added cost that the borrower assumes when they take out student loan debt. And the fact that the federal government and these administrations... It was the Obama administration. The people that signed this into law knew full well that they were going to be making money hand over foot in interest, that they're charging these student borrowers. And they, the fact that they signed it into law makes me realize that they just like didn't care. You know, they were taking this money and putting it to other programs. I did read um, a student loan debt watchdog site saying that a lot of the interest from the federal student loan debt actually goes to the ACA plans. So the Affordable Care Act, that's where all of that, that's how that program is funded, is from the interest that they uh, get from the student loans, or at least used to before... COVID hit and then all the interest went down to zero for everybody. So it's just, I I don't mind where the money's going. I want to know where the money's going, but it was, look, I mean, I'm just going to say it and I'm no, and I know I'm not the only one. It's unfair. Yeah, it's unfair. Um, Did I sign these things? Yes, I did. So I was in a binding contract which basically means I have to give them their blood money in order for all of this to go away. And I can still have my opinions on it and know that it's predatory and know that it ruined my life. I mean, I ended up paying $75,000 in interest over the life of all me repaying my debt. 75 grand. That includes the capitalized interest that was tacked onto all of my loans and also the interest that I just was paying every single month as I was aggressively paying the debt down, 75 grand. And I had originally 100 grand in debt. So I almost paid double for my degree. And that's the cost of interest. That's the cost that's passed down to the borrower. Oh man, so anyway, let's get into the mathematical equation of how you tabulate all of the interest that's accruing on your loans, shall we? Yes, let's do it. So you basically take the total amount of your loan and you multiply that times the interest rate. And the way an interest rate is, is that 100% is 1.00 expressed. So if you have a 7% loan, you will multiply your balance of your loan times 0.07. That's 7% expressed in decimal points. And that will give you the overall amount of interest that accrues 
in a year. So I usually would divide that number by 365, 365 days per year. And then you see daily how much interest is accruing. And then I would multiply that number by 30, so 30 days in a month. And that's how I would get my monthly interest. So I knew that by doing this math with all 11 of my loans, I would learn and understand how much it's costing me every month just to have this debt. And if I wanted to see that number go down, I'm going to have to pay more than that. So there were definitely a few loans, the grad plus loans being the most predatory because those loans had capitalized interest tacked on to them from the moment they were dispersed to me. And back in 2008, so I had already had four years of capitalized interest tacked onto that before I even realized what was going on, plus add another two years onto that. So once I got really in the weeds with all this debt and was really starting to do all the math, I saw within every single individual loan I clicked on, on online how much accrued interest. It actually did say how much interest was accrued on each of these loans. And the grad plus loans were the worst because their interest rate was eight and a half percent. I immediately enrolled in an auto debit program on the website, which basically deducted a quarter of a percent. So 0.25% was deducted if you just hooked up your checking account and allowed them to take the standard 10-year out every single month. So my career in the film industry was gaining traction in 2014, finally. I had joined the union in 2012, but it took me two years to really start getting better paying union work. And that was starting to happen in 2014. So I figured, okay, it doesn't cost me anything to be on IBR. So I'm just going to enroll in auto debit. And then I'm just going to one by one, knock all of these loans out with everything that I make. So, and then every single month I, you know, would reconfigure the interest and see the interest slowly going down. And what I had to do is I had to tackle the loans that had the most accrued interest on them first to even get them down to zero. Like I would essentially do the interest for all of them, pay the bare minimum interest on the other loans that did not have accrued interest, And then I would basically take what I could afford and put the extra on the loans that had the accrued interest. So one of my grad plus loans had, I think, $1,200 of accrued interest. And so it took me a couple months to just like knock that out before I could even get that thing back to zero. Oh, it took forever. My mom was so... I think she really felt for me. I mean, she was looking at me crying about this stuff, like on a regular basis, knowing that like I realized how bad it had gotten. And she was like, I'm going to try to do a hundred bucks whenever I can. You know, I'm going to try to do this, that and the other, whatever I can to get this accrued interest down. So I'm, I'm very appreciative of her. She definitely did help a little bit here and there. And it was the little bit that I didn't have to repay, which I was very thankful, but I did the vast majority of it. And 
it, it definitely took a while to get all those loans down to zero. So once everything was current and there was no more accrued interest, I was then able to split and make different loan payments throughout every month. And I, I kept up with this for almost three years. It took me 35 months to repay all of my debt. Down to zero, 35 months. And I stuck with this for that period of time because it bothered me so much that I had already given them so much money that I didn't want to give them any more money. I was done. I was done giving them their free money. So I essentially would calculate the monthly interest. The beginning of the month on the 4th was when my auto debit of $1,400 would pull and go through. And I would do a mid-month interest-only payment. So I would basically target and put just the monthly interest that would accrue on these loans. Because we all know interest is accruing daily. So middle of the month, anywhere from like the 15th to the 18th was when I would make that payment. It started off a lot of money. I mean, it was like $800, $600. Things got better uh, gradually within about a year, but it was a lot of money. And then at the end of the month, right? So for me, the way I was approaching these loans is that if I can do a mid-month interest only, my loans are only accruing another 10 or 12 days of interest instead of 25 days of interest. So I'm saving myself, not paying extra interest so that the end of the month when I would put in my biggest payment, that would really get, start knocking the principal off of these loans. And I started tackling the littlest loans first. I had a $4,000 loan and a $2,000 loan that I had taken out for my last quarter at UCLA to finish my thesis project. So I... I tackled those loans first and within a few months they were gone because I was paying an extra 500 per loan per month. And I figured, you know, I was working consistently. I could gauge how much money I was going to make the next month based off of, you know, how long these gigs are going. So that was essentially how I did it. I would do it like on a month to month basis because as a freelancer, you know, your income does fluctuate, but that was just how it needed to go. I needed to just pay them their money and then they would go away. And I, there were some weird, weird money habits that were forged out of this. I'm not going to lie. Maybe I'll do it. I'll go over them in another episode. I still have this weird scarcity mindset because the only thing I did from the age of 29 to 32 was pay student loan debt off. I didn't do anything else. Like Chris and I would see our families, you know, we would have holidays, you know, we would split time with his family, split time with my family. But that's it. We didn't take any trips anywhere. We stopped eating out completely. We would allow ourselves Thai food once a month. And that was like 35 bucks. And 
you know, we stopped doing brunches. Brunches with a cocktail is easily, you know, back then it was like a hundred bucks. Now it's like 150, 200 bucks. It's so much money. And you multiply that times, you know, three or four weekends, that's like $800 that you're just seeing evaporate. And maybe you don't even really see it because it's kind of in the background. But for Chris and I, both of us were unified in that our student loan debt had to go. We weren't going to be able to move on with our lives with this debt. And that's the problem is that so many people accept the fact that they will never get out of the debt. And so they just don't even try. And I think that's part of this like shame guilt spiral that we all kind of enter with having all of this debt and feeling less than and feeling like, you know, my God, like I was so stupid. Why did I do this? So I'm just not even going to try. And I want to empower all of you. I don't even really care like how much or how how much in loan debt you're in or how little loan debt you're in. I know that to some people, $5,000 feels a lot. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter the fact that you just like have it. There's just shame around it. And if you have more than six figures of it, I don't ever want you to think that you're never going to get out of it because you won't. You won't let yourself get out of it because for me, I couldn't imagine what life on the other side was going to be once I got out of debt. And if you don't allow yourself to experience what life is out of debt, I mean, it's the most freeing thing ever to be out of student loan debt. I can't even tell you all, like it is so freeing that even with all of the weird scarcity mindset stuff that I still do to myself, it's still worth it. It's still worth it. I, I'm saving for retirement. There's so many other things that I can now put my energy into because I don't have this debt looming over me. Um, so, wow, it's already half an hour. I don't want to belabor the point, but capitalized interest we all need to know what our interest rates are, okay? So I read an article that did a study with millennials. And I'll share this study, I think, in another episode. But I just, this one statistic really popped for me because it had to do with student loan debt. Basically said out of this survey of, it was maybe like 2,000 or 5,000 millennials, um, and they used millennials as people born between 1981 and 1996. So I'm, I was born in 1984, so I definitely fall under the millennial generation. Uh, 40% of people that were born in that age range do not know the interest rate on their student loan debt. 40%. Whoa. That means people are not logging in. People are ignoring it. People feel shame about it. People are embarrassed about it. And so they think, you know, they put themselves down. They belittle themselves. They feel small. And, you know, it's easier to feel small and to 
you know, avoid than it is to face it head on. Because you know that when you face that thing head on, there's going to be a lot of other ancillary stuff that you haven't dealt with that's going to come out. And I know that that's scary. I know it is. But you're bigger than that. You are. You're worth it. You're worth it. And I think that there needs to be a mindset shift. So if there's any way that I can help any of you that are struggling to, you know, tweak that mindset, that life will be better when that debt is gone. Don't wait for forgiveness. Don't wait to live your life. It's going to be uncomfortable for a little while, but it's worth it. Let me tell you. And believe me, it was very uncomfortable for me. Very uncomfortable. So with that being said, I'm going to wrap this episode up. Thank you again for watching. Um, I have a monthly meetup via Zoom. Um, This is particularly for the ladies um, as a safe space to talk money, talk about anything that you may potentially be going through. Um, I'm creating more content, more financial content. I'm talking about stock chart patterns in the next um, meeting. So I've got a Patreon page right now that I'm building, but if you want to find me on other channels, you can find me with the handle debt underscore free underscore Hillary, H-I-L-L-A-R-Y. So you can find me on Instagram, on TikTok, and on Twitter. So again, thanks for being here. I hope that you all learned something and gleaned something. Um, If there's even just one thing that you do after you listen to this episode, log into your student loan account. And if you don't know the interest rate, look them up. If it's not listed because it's still under the 0%, either look at your master promissory notes, if you have them, a paper copy, or if you do not have them, call your servicer and they will send them to you for free. And they should also be able to tell you what your interest rates are on any and all of the loans that you have that are public and federal. So, I will be signing off. Thank you again for listening to the Fierce Female Finance Revolution podcast and have a very productive next week. Take care.